0: Good morning. I got to tell you, this has been an incredibly encouraging weekend uh, for us, for me especially, but I think for us as a whole. Dave said he was going to say something about it at the end of services, but I got to tell you, I think the cantata this year was so incredibly encouraging. Um, All of you who had anything to do with that, thank you for your efforts. I'm always impressed by the talent level, but this year, more than ever, I think just the message and the way the message was presented in, in, in every way. Uh, I told Dave afterwards it was my favorite one. He claims I say that every year. <laughs> Maybe I do. I don't know. But this really was my favorite one. It was very joyful, but also really moving in so many ways, so Thanks for being a part of that and making that happen. Um, then yesterday, about, I think about 50 men got together at the uh, Sutherland's property and, and had a morning of uh, fellowship and prayer, and that was incredibly encouraging as well. So good things going on this weekend. Heard about a, uh, an elderly married couple. Uh, they were both in their 90s. They'd been married almost 70 years. Sitting on the back porch one evening watching the sun go down, and the husband was just sort of overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude and appreciation for his wife. And he turned to her, and she's a little bit hard of hearing, but he turned to her and said, I'm proud of you. She said, What'd you say? He said, I'm proud of you. She said, Well, I'm tired of you too. You know, I guess it's human nature that the more familiar we are with something or someone, we tend to start taking it for granted, and the less the, we lose the fascination with it, we get we get tired of things that we're just around all the time and that we know so well. Remember that brand new car that you brought home that you were going to take such great care of, and you're going to vacuum it out twice a you know twice a month, and you're going to wash it once a week, and Six months later, there's bubble gum in the back seat, and there's Chick-fil-A wrappers in the floorboard, and you don't care, right? It's just, it's lost its fascination. We're familiar with the statement, "Familiarity breeds contempt." Probably more than that, familiarity breeds uh, indifference. We get used to things. The newness fades. The fascination wears off. We lose a sense of wonder. And I'm reminded of that every year about this time when my wife puts out uh, Christmas decorations. My favorite decoration that she puts out in our entryway, we have a baker's table. And every Christmas, she takes out all of the pictures of our children at various ages when they were very small sitting in Santa Claus's lap. And so this table is just filled with all these pictures of our three kids. You, know, you can just kind of watch as they grow uh, sitting on Santa Claus's lap. And I love seeing that because I look at those pictures and you can still see in the picture but I remember just the joy and the excitement of going down to Harbor Island to see the real Santa Claus because that's where, that's where he was. So every year we went to Harbor Island and they sat in the lap of the real Santa Claus to get their picture taken and there's just this sense of wonder, this sense of joy We're spending this month, and we are talking about this being a season of hope. We're talking about the birth of Jesus and the hope that that brings. And last week, I talked about turning our holidays, D-A-Z-E, into hope-filled days. This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, turning our wandering into wandering. And those two words sound a lot alike. In fact, it's hard for me to pronounce them differently, (laughs) and they're spelled almost exactly alike, but they mean two very different things. That first word, to wander, W-A-N-D-E-R, is described this way, to walk around aimlessly, to move without purpose or direction, to go from place to place. This time of year, there seems to be a lot of wandering, doesn't there? We kind of move around, sometimes feeling kind of aimless. We go from place to place, thing to thing. It's December. How did we get here? You know, where did the year go, right? And it's not just this time of year. All through the year, we we kind of wander from relationship to relationship, and nothing quite fits. And we wander from neighborhood to neighborhood. We never quite feel at home. We wander from screen to screen, website to website, and we still don't feel connected from job to job, from church to church, from friendship to friendship. And I think maybe one of the reasons for all the wandering is because we're missing the the wonder of life. Because that word, W-O-N-D-E-R, means something very, very different. To wonder is to marvel, to be amazed by something beautiful or unexpected, to stand in astonishment. We live in a world that for the most part has lost its sense of wonder. And we get that, right? I mean, think about your own life. What's it take to really cause you to stop and say, wow? There's not very many things that just take our breath away anymore, are there? We talk about the story of Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth. That should cause us to stop and say, wow. That should still take our breath away. Let me share with you a quote that I came across. I I didn't write it. I'm not sure who did, but I liked it well enough that I saved it because it's so true. This is the season to be jolly because more than any other time, this time of year, we think about Jesus. For a few precious days he has beheld Christ the Lord. And those who pass the year without seeing him suddenly see him. People who have been accustomed to using his name in vain pause to use it in praise. Eyes now free of the blinders of self marvel at his majesty. And all of a sudden, this time of year, Jesus is everywhere. And the grin of the policeman as he drives the truck full of presents to the children's home In the emotion of the father who's too thankful to finish the dinner table prayer. In the tears of the mother as she welcomes home her son from overseas. He's in the solemn silence of the shopping mall shoppers as the elementary school chorus sings, Away in a Manger. He is with us. God has come. And we are filled with wonder. This really is... A season of hope. This time of year when the entire world starts talking about this idea of of God coming to man. Or maybe more uh, directly, God becoming man. And when you read that story, when you hear that story, it is awe-inspiring. It's a story packed with angels and dreams and kings and prophecies and gifts. The glory of God shining in the heavens. Even the songs that we sing this time of year, the songs that we hear on the radio remind us of this. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love. Or star of wonder, star of night, star of royal beauty, bright maybe? Is that how it goes? But wonder's in there, I know that. <laughs> Talks about wonder. This season of hope certainly is a season of joy, a season of peace, but it also is a season of wonder. And I think maybe that's what escapes us too often. I mean, we know, we know about the birth of Jesus. We know the facts. We know the details. We know the timeline. But I think too often we miss the wonder of the story. Now I know I, I need to work a little harder on appreciating the wonder of the story of Jesus coming to this world. So many wonderful things about the coming of Jesus. Let me just share a few with you. First is the wonder of His humble birth. God could have chosen any way to bring Jesus to this world. But think about the way that God chose to bring Jesus here. Luke chapter 1, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Question for the women, has an angel ever approached you in your home and spoke to you about having a child that would be impossible. Yeah, that that should kind of get our attention right away, right? That doesn't happen. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. The fact that God chose a young poor Jewish girl lived 2,000 years ago in a small town in the Middle East to be the one to actually give birth to the Son of God? That's amazing, isn't it? That should should stop us in our tracks. A little girl came home from uh, Sunday school one day and she asked her mom, which virgin was the mother of Jesus? My mother said, I'm not sure what you mean. She said, Well, was it the Virgin Mary or was it the King James Virgin? <laughs> Listen, it was the Virgin Mary, okay? This story that we tell this time of year, it happened. Those uh, nativity scenes that you have in your house, you see in people's yards with a little baby in a manger, that happened. And that little baby was the Son of God. And notice something interesting in this whole conversation with Mary. The angel doesn't ask her about her willingness to be part of this unbelievable plan. He doesn't ask that. He says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and she'll call his name Jesus. He didn't ask for Mary's permission in this whole thing. He just acted gently, and decisively, God did to save his people. Larry King, who passed away a few years ago, was famous because he talked to famous people. That's why he was famous. And by his own account, he, he interviewed over 60,000 people in a career that spanned decades, radio and television. Everyone from Vladimir Putin to John Lennon to Elvis Presley. Larry King talked to everyone He was asked one day, if you could interview one person, living or dead, who's the one person you would love to interview? And without hesitation, he said, Jesus Christ. And the follow-up question for him was, if you could ask Jesus just one question, what would that one question be? And his response was, I would ask him, was he really born of a virgin? Because the answer to that question changes everything. You know, the answer to that question does change everything, doesn't it? The answer to that question proves what Gabriel told Mary. Nothing, nothing is impossible with God. The most significant thing that ever happened in the human, of man, in the human history of mankind didn't happen in a palace in Rome. It happened in a barn in Bethlehem. And as Mary held that little baby, I wonder if her mind went back to a prophet named Isaiah. I wonder if she heard Isaiah's words ringing in her ears. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Undoubtedly, Mary knew that prophecy. And she knows that's me, I'm the virgin. Giving birth to Emmanuel, God with us. Do we still wonder at that? Does that still amaze us? Son of God was born to a virgin named Mary, and the one who created her, she held in her arms? Wow. Here's another thing that that should fill us with wonder, and that's the wonder of the heroic worshipers. Of all the people that God could have chosen to be the first to to witness this whole thing and the first to worship and and the first to talk about it, He chose an unlikely group of people. Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. <laughs> I love that. We've got, we got a job here, right? We've got sheep to watch. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Scripture tells us the first people to gather and witness Jesus, the first people to to worship Jesus, were shepherds. Now, in our culture, that loses a little bit of the significance and because of that, a little bit of the wonder. And Dave talked about this in his class on Wednesday nights a little bit. when uh, was going through the book of Luke. Shepherds in the first century were about the bottom of the social standing rung of ladder, on the ladder. I mean, no mother dreamed that one day my son might grow up to be a shepherd. Nobody wanted their child to grow up to be a shepherd. They were, they were despised. Uh, they were ceremonially unclean, which means they could not worship in the temple area. They weren't allowed to testify in court because you couldn't trust the word of a shepherd. They were liars. Um, Jewish Talmud said, give no help to a heathen or a shepherd. That's how shepherds reviewed. Isn't it ironic that the first people who worshipped Jesus weren't allowed to worship at the temple. And isn't it ironic that the first people who went and told people about Jesus weren't allowed to testify in a court of law. You know, in God's economy, the first should last, and the last will be first. And again, God chose to announce this not to a king in a palace, but to a bunch of shepherds in a pasture. See what I'm talking about? when I say there is so much of this story to wonder about. You know, we get so hung up on getting the facts right. And, and, and it's important. You know, I know that. The facts are incredibly important. Of course they are. But sometimes we get so focused on the details. And we get so focused on the, the, just the, the minutia of the story that it becomes an academic exercise. And somehow, rather than praising God, and rather than celebrating the birth of Jesus, we want to argue that it probably didn't happen in December. But listen, don't bury the lead. The Son of God came to earth. Jesus was born. He was born to a virgin named Mary. In a stable in Bethlehem. We wonder at his humble birth. He was worshiped and witnessed by shepherds. We wonder at that hero- those heroic worshipers. And also, we wonder at his holy mission. Remember what the angel told those shepherds that night. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. Christ is a title. He is the Messiah. He's the one we've all been waiting for. Joseph was told in a dream one night while he was trying to decide, what am I going to do with Mary? My fiancé who's pregnant, what am I going to do about that? He was told, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This holy mission is the one thing that really gives wonder to the whole story. Without this holy mission, this is just you know, kind of a, a great seasonal tale, Really? But when you start to ponder why Jesus came, when you start to really understand and meditate on what was the purpose for this baby being born in Bethlehem, we stand in awe. His purpose in coming was to die. He was born so that he could die. So that he could die for me, for us. Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost to give His life a ransom for many. The real wonder of this story isn't that Jesus had come to Bethlehem. The real wonder of the story is He's come for us. And He's come to us. King of kings. Lord of lords. That's the wonder of the story. I want to wrap this thing up this morning by showing you a video uh, I found it online. Remember 10 or 12 years ago, there was kind of a cultural phenomenon sweeping America. Uh, flash mobs, remember those? Groups of seeming, seemingly strangers would get together at you know, a certain place at a certain time, and they would break into some kind of performance that nobody asked for. Um, yet some of these flash mobs were really impressive. Impressive. And some of these things were really encouraging as well. And the people that got kind of caught up in it, that were there when it happened, they were sort of amazing. I want to take a look at a group of uh, shoppers. It's about 10 years ago at the holiday season. It happened in a food court. A group of people got together and spontaneously started sharing the message that Jesus has come, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And I want you to pay attention to the people who are watching, whose lives have just been interrupted with this amazing message. That that truth, that shouldn't surprise us anymore, but it still should amaze us. It should still stop us in our tracks. This past year, I uh, reread David McCullough's great book on the Wright brothers. It was almost exactly 120 years ago, December 17th, 1903, that Orville and Wilbur Wright in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, were able to get their flying machine off the ground. And Orville piloted it for 59 seconds. The boys were so excited, they went straight to the telegraph office and sent a message back to their sister in Dayton, Ohio. And the, the telegram said exactly this. First sustained flight today for 59 seconds! Exclamation point. Hope to be home by Christmas. Their sister was so thrilled she took that message, took it down to the newspaper there in Dayton, Ohio, and handed it to the editor. And sure enough, the next day there was a story in the newspaper, in the the Dayton Daily News about the Wright brothers. Here was the headline. Local bicycle merchants to be home for Christmas. (laughs) And nowhere in the article was it ever mentioned that the Wright brothers flew an airplane for 59 seconds? Don't we do the same thing with Jesus Christ? We learn the details, but we miss the wow. We miss the wonder. We miss the most important message of all. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That's what the angels told those shepherds. Those shepherds went and told other people and listened to their response. All who heard it wondered at the things that were told them by the shepherds. When the people heard what the shepherds had to say, they were in awe. They wondered. They were amazed. My prayer is that we will have that same sense of wonder as we think about God sending Jesus to this earth to save us from our sins. Michael Iaconelli once said, the greatest threat to Christianity may be the people who say they believe in Jesus but are no longer astonished and amazed by what he's done for them this season of hope, as you are wandering from store to store and event to event and responsibility to responsibility, may you pause. When you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at the food court, may you be amazed at the fact that Jesus came to this earth for us. Let's go ahead and stand and we're gonna sing.